A very good evening to you. I'd like to welcome you to this pre-recorded evening service for Calvary Evangelical Church Brighton. My name is Aaron Reeves and I'm a member of the church. I'm also part of the preaching team. So with God's help, I'll be leading us through our service tonight. If this is your first time with us, I'd like to extend a particularly warm welcome to you. And just to give you the heads up that we'll be doing some of the things that Christians would normally do if we were meeting in the church and worshipping together there. So we're going to be singing some hymns, we'll be reading our Bibles and we'll spend a good portion of our time studying scripture. So tonight we'll be looking at the book of Matthew chapter 26 and we'll be looking into Peter's denial of Jesus. So Peter denied Jesus three times and we'll be trying to answer the question did it really all end in tears for Peter but before we do that let's commit our time together to the Lord dear heavenly father we praise your mighty name king of heavens and of the earth we give thanks to you for all that you provide for us we thank you for our measure of health for the day We thank you that even in such times as these, we still have some ability to be worshipping you together. We are sorry for our inability to be faithful, Lord. So often we turn away from you. We pray for the forgiveness of those sins, for all the times we have failed to trust you and have given in to temptation. We ask that you be with us, Lord, in our worship tonight and that you would equip us with everything we need. In Jesus' name, Amen. Okay, let's sing our first hymn together. This is Above the Clash of Creeds.
read the Bible together. So our first reading tonight is going to be from the book of Matthew, of course, and the verses are 31 to 35. I forgot to mention that this is chapter 26, verses 31 to 35. Then Jesus told them, This very night you will all fall away on account of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter replied, Even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, This very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. Jesus, lover of my soul, let me to your presence fly, while the gathering waters roll, while the tempest still is high. Hide me, O my Saviour, hide, till the storm of life is past, safe into the haven guide, and receive my soul at last. Let's sing praise 682. This song is called Jesus, lover of my soul. Jesus, lover of my soul, let me to your presence fly while the gathering waters roll. While the ten 
So let's have our main reading for tonight. So this is going to be the text that we'll be studying in just a moment. This is from the book of Matthew, chapter 26 again, and we're going to be reading from verses 69 to 75. Now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said, but he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway, where another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, This fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, Surely you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses, and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray before we come to our study now. Lord, as we come to study your word, we pray that you would bless us with comprehension. We pray that you will remove the human imperfections of the presentation and leave only what you want us to hear. We pray that you would be with us in this study. In Jesus' name, Amen. Tonight we're in the book of Matthew and we'll be looking at Peter's famous denial of Jesus. This particular historical incident is reported in all four Gospels and primarily we'll be looking at our text from Matthew tonight but we'll be comparing some of the details from the other accounts also to help us build a clearer picture of what's occurring. So as we've seen from our readings in this part of Peter's story you might have noticed there's a very significant shift in Peter's personality. They could almost be two different people. At the beginning of our reading, we saw a Peter who was bold, confident and even prepared to fight out of loyalty. And then at the end of our text, we saw a Peter who ran into solitude, weeping bitterly. We'll be exploring this transformation tonight and what occurred to make this happen. So if English is your first language, you may not have heard the expression, it'll all end in tears. It's often used when somebody can see that something will not end well or when somebody will be left feeling unhappy. For example, when I was a boy, I'd try and do ridiculous things on my skateboard and my mother would say to me, it'll end in tears, and it usually did. And we'll try and answer this question. For Peter, did it really end in tears? Let's just set the scene and draw out where we are in the bigger story by taking a quick run through the events that have led up to this moment. It's the early hours of the morning. Jesus is in the court, in the house of the high priest, 
whilst the high priest and other religious leaders tried desperately to find reasons to take Jesus' life from him, as we heard from Ben last week. Peter is just outside in the courtyard of the high priest. And this is a very unusual situation and place for Peter to be in. But to find out why that is, we need to rewind the story just a little bit. So earlier on in the chapter, Jesus is with his disciples on the night before he was to be executed. They were celebrating the Passover together with a meal. During the meal, Jesus begins to speak of betrayal, particularly how Judas was going to betray him. And this set the tone for the events that were to follow. After the meal, Jesus and his disciples went out into the night, coming to Gethsemane, where Jesus was praying alone. It was at this place where Judas had carried out his betrayal and brought a large crowd of Jewish officials and Roman soldiers with weapons to arrest Jesus. After Jesus was arrested, the disciples deserted Jesus and they fled. That's 26.56. Including Peter. Peter fled too. But Peter, having fled, then found his way back to the large group of people that were taking Jesus. And he followed them at distance. According to John 18, he wasn't the only one. Another disciple, who some people suspect to be John, went with him. Matthew in verse 58 gives us the outline of Peter entering into the courtyard and sitting down with the guards. And John expands on this by informing us that actually at first... Peter was refused entry into the courtyard. The other disciple was known to the high priest and so he had gained entry. But when he had seen that Peter was still back at the entrance, he went back and he requested that that Peter would be let in by the servant girl who was working on the gate. That's John 18, 15 to 16. So Peter goes into the courtyard of the high priest and he's still at a distance from Jesus. It was dark and it was cold and Peter had opted to stand with the servants and the guards who were warming themselves around a fire. These people wouldn't have been anybody with any major authority. They were likely just workers to the high priest. In fact, it would have only been people known to the high priest present in the courtyard at that time, including Roman soldiers. So it's likely that Peter wasn't just trying to keep warm. He was probably intending to fit in and not be noticed. In fact, he probably would have stood out like a sore thumb had he gone into the courtyard and just stood on his own. As we see in our text, Peter's tactics didn't work out quite that well. Verse 69. And a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said. I believe this is the same servant girl who was on the gate, 
who had come back to accuse Peter. Maybe she realised that he didn't really have any connection with anybody on the inside. Or maybe she was near the gate, she'd seen him following Jesus at a distance. These are just speculations. And that brings us to Peter's first denial. But before we come to that, let's just ask the question, what is denial? Well, denial is a river in northeast Africa and is the longest river in the world. But that's not what we're referring to. The verb deny, which is something that people do, usually has two meanings. I'd like us to try and keep these, these two meanings in our head as we go through the text. So it can mean to claim that something is untrue. And it can also mean to refuse somebody. This word is very important. This is the centrepiece of the text, really. And why is it so important? Well, to answer this question, we need to rewind the story to just after Jesus' meal with his disciples. We find this conversation between Jesus and Peter. This is verse 31. And Jesus told them, This very night you will all fall away on account of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter replied, Even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, This very night, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Peter declared, Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. Jesus here quotes from Zechariah 13.7, which says, Awake, sword, against my shepherd, against the man who is close to me, declares the Lord Almighty. Strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. And this predicts Jesus as the shepherd who is to be struck by God's sword, which is his justice, and he is to be struck for the sins of mankind. The act of doing this will be the act that scatters the sheep. So when Jesus quotes this, this is Jesus very accurately predicting the events which are just about to happen. Verse 45. The hour that begins the onset of God's wrath begins. Jesus says, the hour has come. Verse 50. Jesus is seized by men. Verse 56, the disciples, or the shepherd's sheep, are scattered. See, all of this is happening before Peter, and yet he had failed to recognise the truth in Jesus' words. He didn't trust in Jesus' sovereignty at this point, which is also clear from Peter's response to Jesus in verse 35, which says, Even if I have to die with you, I will never deny or disown you. After everything Peter had seen in his time with Jesus, all the miracles, all the healings, he himself had walked on water. 
he foolishly states that Jesus is somehow wrong. And so this this word deny is so important because it's the very thing that Jesus is warning Peter about and it was all about to happen, it was all about to take place. And so Peter is standing in the courtyard of the high priest and while just a little distance from him, Jesus was on trial. And you can guarantee that everyone in the courtyard knows what was going on. Jesus being tried before the religious leaders, I think, was the thing on everybody's lips. In that courtyard, this was no small thing. Gossip abounded. Verse 69. And a servant girl came to him. That is Peter. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said. This brings us to Peter's first denial. He says, I don't know what you're talking about. And there's a pause. Peter, I think, on the inside would have been shaking. So far, he's proven himself to be quite an emotional person. But look at his response. He holds it together and calmly leaves the fire and heads for the gateway. But it probably didn't happen immediately. I don't think he wants to draw so much attention to himself. He probably hung around for a bit and then slid off. Luke's account states that the next denial was to happen a little later. So I think there's probably a false calmness in Peter at this point. Peter's second denial. So Peter had wandered off to the gateway, and unsurprisingly, there's people there too. And another of the female servants saw him and pointed Peter out to the crowd, saying, this is verse 71, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And so Peter is probably panicking a little bit more now. He's amongst small crowds of officials, and Roman soldiers, and more and more of them are paying attention to him. In fact, the other Gospels tell us that others were also challenging Peter at this time. Matthew and Mark report the accusation coming from another servant girl. John uses the plural and says, they asked him. Luke speaks of a man questioning him. Peter denies the accusations and questions with an oath. I don't know the man. Which is to say much less casual and much stronger form of a statement to make an oath. So the pressure increases drastically for Peter as gossip gains momentum in the courtyard. More and more People were taking an interest in Peter. He's probably overhearing people talking about him and people are likely staring at him. And again, there is a lapse of time before the third round of accusations and Peter's third denial. Luke tells us that it was an hour later. Peter's third denial. And so after an hour, 
we get the final challenge of Peter's identity. And it's almost a flurry of accusations. Matthew and Mark say it was from those standing there. Luke pins an accusation to a single man questioning Peter's accent. John tells us that a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off was questioning him. This time, in this round of questions and accusations, it was too much for Peter. It tipped him over the edge and he lost his temper. Verse 74. Then he began to call down curses and he swore to them, I don't know the man. So Peter would be shouting, waving his hands about and cursing. That is, declaring a destruction against anything connected to the accusations which he is claiming as false. Only we know that they are not false. They are true. How far has this disciple fallen? Into lies? Into denying Jesus? Into anger? And a total loss of self-control? The text says, he followed Jesus at a distance. But I bet he never felt further away from him than he did at this moment. Immediately, a rooster crowed. <coughs> then he remembered the words Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, You'll disown me three times. So Peter's denial of Jesus was complete. He looks up. And as Luke 22 says, Jesus turned and looked right at Peter. And this wasn't a random glance. Jesus knows everything that's happening inside Peter's mind and in his heart. At that very moment in time. And I think Jesus is saying to Peter in this look. Remember I am the son of God. I know what's to come. I know your heart. Peter had not just remembered Jesus' words. He had remembered who Jesus was. And the magnitude of his actions hit him all of a sudden. All that was left to do was for him to go outside and weep bitterly at what he'd done. So what lessons are there to learn from this? I'd like to draw out two lessons that I think can help us and encourage us in the week ahead. The first one would be a warning against pride. So it doesn't take a genius to see that the characteristics of Peter that brought him so much trouble, so much pain and so much sadness are the very characteristics that the world encourages as a positive thing today. In fact, I would argue that it's never been more relevant to us in the West as it is now, this story of pride. Firstly, 
Peter was disproportionately self-confident. What do we mean by that? When I wake up in the morning, or in the early afternoon, sometimes, I can usually be confident that I still have the drive and the faculties I need to get out of bed and make a coffee and go to work and do the job that I'm employed to do. I'm confident that I can engage people in conversation. I'm fairly confident in doing these things because these are the skills that I have been given and I've had them for some time. This is the truth of who I am most of the time. Now, disproportionate self-confidence distorts the truth of who we are. So that same day for me might look a bit different if I'm overly self-confident. If I think I'm going to go to work and do my job with no problems whatsoever because I'm so great at it and uh, wonderful, then... I'm likely to get careless and I'm likely to make a lot of mistakes. If I think I'm going to engage people all day with a smile and leave them feeling wonderful because my personality is so magnetic, I'm likely to upset somebody by being so arrogant. So here's the thing. The world today tells you to trust in yourself because you are wonderful And you are capable of doing anything that you want to do. The Bible, God's word, tells you today to trust in God. Because he is wonderful and capable of doing anything he wants to. The world is lying to you. People aren't so wonderful as we see from this text, and if we look back on our own lives with honesty, we can probably say that about ourselves. Peter was so self-confident that he failed spectacularly and ended up in great distress. See, that night, at the beginning, Peter saw himself as loyal, brave and clever. But Jesus, however, The Son of God saw the reality that Peter was to be unfaithful, quick to anger and foolish. But Jesus loved him anyway. And this brings me to my second conclusion that your weakness, whatever it might be, does not invalidate your relationship with Jesus. In this ultimate example of love that we've read, while Jesus was being tried and beaten, facing the death penalty for his people, including Peter, Peter was denying that he had anything to do with him. But Jesus loved him anyway, as we've just said. Jesus demonstrates throughout this text that he has perfect knowledge of who Peter is and everything that Peter was going to do. In fact, he knew Peter better than Peter knew himself. Earlier on in the text, Peter had fallen asleep with some other disciples three times in the Garden of Gethsemane. 
And Jesus warned them by way of addressing Peter. Watch and pray that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus issued yet another warning of things to come by instructing the disciples to keep their defence up, which is for a Christian to keep watching and keep praying. I don't know if anybody that might be watching this watches boxing, but you'll see that fighters at the beginning of a match they'll have their hands up like this, and they have their hands up to guard themselves, to stop themselves from being hit in the head. But after a while, the body gets tired, and... You get further on in the rounds and the the hands are falling down. And they're left open to attack. So Jesus isn't just making a generic statement here. He's warning also against an attack. Luke 22.31 says this. Jesus is talking. He says, Simon... Simon, if you're wondering who Simon is, that Simon is Peter. It's another name for Peter. Jesus continues, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. It's interesting that Jesus is saying behind the scenes in all of this story, There is a third party requesting to exploit the weaknesses of the disciples, including Peter. And that third party is Satan. Seems to me it was Satan was the one doing the tempting. He was the one orchestrating the accusations. And Jesus is not just reminding Peter of the ongoing spiritual battle. And the need for a good defence. Jesus is also reassuring Peter. Jesus is asserting his authority over Satan here. And he's saying, but I have prayed that your faith will not fail. And he follows that up with another prediction that Peter will turn back. So as we come to the end of the chapter. You might think. That it ended in tears for Peter. That night it did. But Peter's faith did not fail. After Jesus was executed. Jesus took up his life again because death couldn't hold him. And he met once again with his disciples. I believe it was on the third time. And he asked Peter these questions. Simon as we know is Peter, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon's son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, 
You know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, Feed my sheep. Three times Peter denied Jesus. And three times Jesus gave Peter the opportunity to tell Jesus that he loved him. Peter's faith indeed had not failed. Jesus forgave Peter and Jesus gave Peter work to do. It's back in the courtyard when Peter ran outside and wept bitterly. He was sorry. Right down inside his heart, he was wishing that he'd never betrayed Jesus. And it was painful for him right up until this point after Jesus was resurrected and he came back to see his disciples. And yet, Peter had persevered with that grief right up until this moment when it was made right. Peter, throughout all of that time, carried on loving the Lord and his failure did not invalidate his relationship with Jesus. So as we draw to a close, I'll just finish by saying this. Don't let your failures throw you off the path. You can be at your most confident when you place your confidence in the one who rules over everything, which is the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And if you stick with Jesus... You know, he promises in scripture a place for you where there are no more tears. Book of Revelation says this. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things have passed away. Amen. And that concludes our sermon for today. Thanks for listening. I hope that you found it helpful in some way. If you wish to discuss anything that you've heard today or anything spiritual at all, feel free to get in contact with us, even if you just want to say howdy. We'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at our website, calvary-brighton.org.uk. Now, before we finish, I'll just say a final prayer and we'll sing a final hymn. May God bless your week. Father, we thank you for all we've heard today. We thank you for your unfailing love. We pray that you'll be with us in the week, that you'll forgive our sins and that you'll help us each day restore our faith, we ask. In Jesus' name, Amen.